Hello, friends. Welcome to Ruminations on Tony's Tall Tales. I'm your host, Anthony Pavlich, and I just want to thank you for joining me today. So, yeah, it's been a little bit, um, and I've got an interesting <laughs> topic I want to discuss. So, I watched my first Marvel Cinematic Universe film since... 2019's um, Avengers Endgame. And wow, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about, or I have a lot to talk about. Um, yeah, so it's very fascinating. Um, I was talking, um, I have, I have uh, two friends that I have a podcast with, um, and we were discussing it was on one of the episodes it came up well you know there over the last several years i've been banging the drum or i haven't really been banging the drum i shouldn't say that but i've i've kind of abstained from really engaging in the films and television uh, shows from marvel just because i've i wouldn't say I, it wasn't necessarily burnt out it was just more of the direction and i'm sure you know I've talked about this and you've heard me talk about this in other episodes, but just the general direction that a lot of the narrative um, was going through or was progressing in a way that I just wasn't really vibing with and didn't really enjoy or thought they were kind of going off track. Um, and again, just I think it was the nature too of just how large uh, Marvel has become. Um, the cinematic universe that is, and it's just, it's become a multi-billion dollar um, machine now and that it can't necessarily take the creative risk that it once was able to do when it had nothing really to lose. Um, and that's just, that's just an, an unfortunate byproduct of business side of these endeavors when there's that much money on the line. Um, and so, yeah, I've talked a lot about this with, you know, my friends and, you know, Black Panther came, Wakanda Forever kept coming up because, you know, obviously there's some awards consideration um, for it. But I think also, too, um, they had talked about it. And I think just through our natural discussion of, you know, pop culture um, that was referenced. And um, I'm part of the SAG after AFTRA. Um, guild and basically we were able to get some you know screeners to watch um, some of these films that were um, you know nominees or for award consideration and Black Panther what kind of forever happened to be one of those films and also too subsequently it was released on Disney plus and so I ended up taking a dive and watched it and also too uh, there was a great podcast uh that had come out um i i think it was around obviously the time that the movie was released um uh, might have been shortly after i can't remember the timeline again uh, or i cannot recall it um but one of the first episodes was they they spoke with ryan coogler and the director of, of the movie and it was just really fascinating to hear him to hear about the process, how they navigated through, you know, the, the real life event, the real world events of, 
Chadwick Boseman's passing and, you know, whether they even wanted to make uh, another one or if they did, how they, you know, honor the legacy that was, you know, established by him and just how they could continue the story moving forward. And so I watched it on a weekend and yeah, um, I did the math and it was hard to fathom that it was nearly four years ago uh, since Avengers Endgame. That was the last um, movie that I had watched from the MCU. And I think I kind of got off the train after WandaVision or no, it was um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Because I was just at that point, I was just really disenchanted with what they were doing, where they were going. Um, but damn, <laughs> Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, what a wonderful film to, uh, to just experience. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to return to the MCU because <laughs> I'm still, I'm still not completely sold on, you know, the direction. And I don't know if this new phase is going to be able to do some of the things that I'm hoping just overall that the, the MCU can do. But um, I got to say this film, man, what a fantastic film to at least experience and kind of wash, wash the bad taste out that I'd had from, you know, some of the other, uh, the, the, the last few series that I watched that didn't really jive with me. Um, but yeah, it just, it was, I was absolutely uh, blown away by it. I enjoyed it. Was pleasantly surprised how well executed it was for uh, a superhero film, and also to the big blockbuster, you know, genre that it was in. Um, it definitely was a narrative that elevated a bit past the criticisms that I had, or I have had with uh, the MCU. And I just, I kind of want to just like key in on a few of those just because again they they just they really resonated with me and i thought it was like just really blown away um i was very emotional through much of the film and um man just angela bassett just knocked it out of the park and just was absolutely stunning and i really hope she gets the that oscar win because her performance was just on fire and so yeah a very cool movie. Definitely, um, definitely going to be rewatching it multiple times, probably um, very soon again. Because yeah, I just I really really liked it. One of the so one of the things that w- was really striking uh, to me about it was there's there was a few times where I noticed uh, during during my viewing experience that I was thinking about. Oh man, I wonder if they're going to make a callback to something that they said previously, or I wonder if this narrative, if they're setting it up to go in this direction, um, in relation and in line with uh, some of the character motivations, but also to again, you've heard me talk about this in other episodes, multiple episodes, is intention obstacle. You know, what is what is the character's intention? What is it they want? And what is the obstacle that is in front of them um, that is keeping them from obtaining that uh, intention? And also, too, within that, um, dilemma has been coming up a, a big part in, you know, some of the, the, the work that I've been trying to do is what 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 is, you know, the 
the character, your main protagonist, uh, has to be in conflict, you know, that, that, and that which way brings out the dramatic tension and elevates, uh, the storytelling. And because you, you have your protagonist that's in a, a, a no win situation, it's lose, lose situation. And that heightens the, the dramatic tension, uh, because they're, if they make one decision, it's not necessarily a win. They make a, the other decision, the opposite de- decision, that's not necessarily a win either. But that is what is the catalyst to propel, propel them through their journey uh, to face the obstacles that will stand in their way. But also, too, you would hope at some point that allows the growth to happen. And I think a lot of the main theme that I have been finding in a lot of my stories is that is that is is the potential of of my characters to see them be challenged and therefore uh, grow and to um, ultimately learn, you know, to to improve and to reach their potential. And that's what I, I find fascinating because I think that potential exists in every one of us. And I feel that we have such an ability, uh, an amazing ability to unlock parts of ourselves that we weren't necessarily sure we could reach, but that have always uh, been there. And we just, there, there's, there's a wonderful opportunity for us to unlock those magical parts of ourselves. And so I, I just was really, really impressed with some of the things that they did. And specifically, um, Shuri in the film was dealing with a lot of grief and what the challenge that she faced was if that grief would basically, you know, lead her, I wouldn't say lead her, but what effects and consequences that grief could have and her behavior as it, as it relates to what is it that she wants. And I thought it was very fascinating because there was a point where she speaks very early in the film that she's just kind of overcome with the the anger uh, portion of her grief and that she just wants to see the world burn. She just wants to burn it to the ground. And then when she meets Namor and he takes her through the city, it then comes to light that he heard her speak these words and that he is, in a way, trying to use her um, feelings and her anger to achieve his goals because he feels a very similar um, pull in his intention. Well, his intention is he wants some, his goal is very similar to what um, he believes Shuri's goal is. And is that, that is basically to <laughs> burn the world and to clear uh, out, clear the enemies or any sort of potential enemies that uh, their nations uh, may encounter or are facing. And in that scene, it was really interesting because she makes a comment, well, you can't just, you know, kill this innocent girl. Um, and I was thinking as soon as in that moment, I was thinking, but she said that she wants to see the world burn. Like that's, that's her, the anger side of her. Namor makes a call back to that. And that was one part where I just was full. I was like, yes, 
I just thought it was such good writing because it's it, it's you know the writer had to be thinking about that theme through, but also too utilizing uh, proper intention and obstacles to convey that message through not only through exposition, but really through the actions of the characters. And so we got to see that, but then it made sense to why Namor was showing her the city and allowed her, because there was a point too where it was like, well, well, she asked to see Namor and then they just advocated her and said, okay, yeah, we'll take you in. And so there's a part of you that was, at least that I was thinking, well, that kind of seems a little bit too too easy like we're doing this just for the plot point but you could see it was structured in a way where yes at at the reveal of that it was deliberate he allowed her to be taken uh so he could show her and he could talk with her and convey to her but also see if 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 he could in a way manipulate her or at least um to further his own agenda he could use her and to to kind of um, work with that anger side of her um, to try to her to become an ally, um, and so that was a that was a part in the film that I just really really loved, and I thought yes, and I think another big part of well, not only was Angela Bassett's acting just amazing but i love the throne room scene where okoye comes back after having lost um shuri and that scene was just again it just it was beautiful in the sense that all these people are are dealing with grief in different ways and obviously you could see in her her just emotion um from both of them okoye and from um uh, Angela Bassett's character where they were just they, they were trying to process everything that had happened to them up to that point and just the the level of yeah anger and grief and frustration but also to love you know the there was deep love um, in that scene but just she just had enough <laughs> She was just, it was, it was so visceral and so guttural with her, her, um, just lashing out and, and basically I'm, that's it. I'm done. And I think it was also too the whole point of like, she represented, um, that sort of, of, of belief that Wakanda needed to be remain, um, isolated and protected from the rest of the world. And losing uh, T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman, his his vision was to open up Wakanda to the rest of the world, to integrate with the rest of the world. And having lost that tether, um, you could see, especially in that throne room scene, where it just, you know, there was a piece of her that was really, really gone, or at least the flame of it was so dim that she was trying so hard to to either keep alive or to protect was, 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 was what I got from that emotional uh, back and forth between them. So that was just like wonderful and just brilliant. And lastly, I think one of the big things for me was towards the end of the film, obviously with the battle between Shuri um, 
and even before that a little bit, when she reveals herself, um, and I'm sorry, this is a spoiler, so definitely, um, if you don't want to know or, you know, go ahead and, <laughs> what what is the, the word that we say, uh, turn down, but don't tune away or something, <laughs> I can't remember, but uh, take a few minutes to, you know, uh, fast forward. Um, but when Shuri reveals herself um, to the tribe as Black Panther, you could still see because she's very, in a way, traumatized by who she saw, you know, when she took the, uh, the herb. And, but I think there was a part of her that obviously knew that was who she wanted. She wanted to see Killmonger, but she's still fighting to uh, against accepting that and really not wanting to believe that part of herself but she's struggling with the anger of of her grief and so when she uh has the power of the black panther and returns and she reveals herself to the to the um the tribe um she says you know she kind of gives this little speech where we're going we're going to go take down Namor. We're going to destroy him. And I just really loved how Mbaku was this, this voice that I was actually same thing. I was thinking is like, Oh, we're going to do the same song and dance where we have to fight the big bad villain. And why do we have to perpetuate this cycle? And is it really going to give us what we want? And she was falling into that trap where she was just perpetuating the cycle. And he speaks something that I just was like, I kind of almost wanted to get up and like scream and holler and hoot. And it's like, yes. Where he says, do we really need, does Namor really need to be killed? Do we really need to murder him? And the way he said it to and delivered, it was just so poetic and just so brilliant that it really, even though I was hoping for it, it kind of knocked me back. I was like, yes. And the way he did the, he explains it too, where he's saying that this isn't, they don't view him as a king. This isn't a king. This isn't a general. This is an eternal God. You cannot, this is not something that you can just strike down. This is, this is ingrained. This is, this is something that's going to live on. Even if the quote unquote figurehead is, is, is gone. This is another, another God will arise in, in these people. And he's trying to talk reason into her. He's, he's trying to, he's trying to be a confidant to her. He's trying to guide her and, and help her realize that this anger, uh, this vengeance is not what will free her or be the, the balm that she needs for her, um, for her grief <laughs> because it, she's trying to process it in a way that only she thinks is the way to process it. And she's obviously struggling with it. And the anger obviously feels that it's the most, it's the most visceral, it's the most primal uh, release that she can get if she, you know, just destroys Namor. And so I just thought that was beautifully done and then you but what i love too is the way it was built it's like you don't quite know if she's going to be able to do to see 
the light, the quote unquote light at the end of the tunnel in the sense that she's going to come to her senses and realize that this is not the path, not only for her, but the legacy that she's trying to protect or the, her, the, her brother that she's trying to, uh, to reconnect to is not what will ultimately fulfill her or get her to the goal that she truly, truly wants. And so that I was, obviously it was, it was great. Um, there was a small part of me that really wanted to see Chadwick be the voice that speaks to her. But I think with the essence of, of honoring his legacy, but also to honoring Chadwick, I think it was so appropriate that there was no like sort of digital recreation of him, but not only that, but just even like audio, I think would have really, I don't want to say tainted or would have tainted the, the, um, the, the memory or just the, the honor that they wanted to show. I think it, I think it just, it really did make more sense that it was her mother that spoke to her in that moment. And I just, that just thought it was just really appropriate and just beautiful. And the way she was able to come to terms with that. And also to even at the end where she goes and again, obviously she's still in such pain, you know, and it's still very difficult for her to not to carry through with releasing the anger and just having some sort of catharsis in that moment with that version of her emotion. Um, but she goes to the beach and she, you know, follows the, the tradition that her mother was uh, trying to instill in her, or at least uh, guide her and show her a way that she can use to process that grief at the end with uh, the ritual on the beach. I thought it was just, it was just, it was just, yeah, I just, I was like uh, an emotional roller coaster myself, you know, feeling a lot of things. I, I cried a lot during the film um, just because it, it was just, you could feel it. And I think too, there was speaking with some of the, they're not speaking, but hearing Ryan Kugler speak about, you know, a lot of stuff that in the interviews and the podcast that he's done that, you know, there really was, I mean, they were all of them as a family dealing with, with that um, outcome and dealing with that, um, that same sort of grief, that same sort of loss. And so I think you could obviously feel that in, in the film, at least, at least in my opinion, I, that's, I definitely got that. So overall, just, I think fantastic. And I think just, just overall well done in terms of, um, the way it was shot, just the, the set design. Um, yeah, just such a polished film and, and so great. And I think too, just, um, just again, a, a great showcase piece on how even these big, big, big event movies, um, these blockbusters, how powerful the story can be if executed properly. If, if really, if, if the foundation of that um, project is, 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 is stabilized on a strong narrative, 
and a strong script that it can be a very, very impactful and powerful piece. And I think that's why the script is just so, it's so key. It's so vital um, to, to, to anything. And if you don't have that, it's really, it, it just, it's, it, your project is not built on a very strong foundation, in my opinion. So I appreciate you listening to me to uh, speak about that. I was, a, I was, again, really glad I was able to get to experience that. And I can't wait to watch it over and over again. <laughs> and hopefully to more um, MCU projects that view that as a blueprint. And the blueprint that was set before. And really try to follow some of those great um, um, goalposts for how to... Um, construct your narrative very properly. So let's take a quick um, short break to hear from a special message from the Ruminations Radio Network. Hey kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile Hissy Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on ruminationsradionetwork.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to that short message and welcome back. There is, I was thinking about getting kind of there. I mean, there was an idea of what I wanted to speak about in the closing of this, this episode. Um, I guess, but it's hard because I don't, I don't want to get too philosophical, but there, because I know I try to gear these episodes to storytelling and to world building and just the the craft of storytelling, craft of narrative construction and dramatic um, writing. Um, but I feel like it's so interesting too because part of it is this um, series is also, in a way, as I've expressed before, like a living journal, and that I'm going through things, I'm dealing things in my life. And a lot of the stuff that I talk about or deal with tends to really dovetail a lot of times with what I speak about in terms of themes and, and storytelling and writing. And I think it's, it's stuff that comes up when I'm researching or, you know, maybe it's through my own like personal development and journey where there'll be an aspect of that learning that I pick up. And I was like, oh, that can translate really well with you know, something and, and the themes I'm working with. But I think also too, it's like, you know, a lot of the time I spent, you know, acting in a lot of ways, acting and writing, I feel are very <laughs> psychological, you know, they're, it's almost like you are in therapy sessions with, you know, ideas in your head, voices that you're talking with, or, you know, just dissecting the behavior of of humans you know what what is their intentions what are obstacles um you know just as we discussed with the first part of this episode emotions you know like that has a big deal and a big part of constructing narrative stories you know like these characters are dealing with real life things that all of us experience in some form or another uh, we definitely can relate to loss and to grief. Um, 
we definitely can relate to anger, um, joy, to elation, um, to all these different emotions and feelings. And so it's not that large of a gap to really think that our own life influences a lot, you know, with, with storytelling and that sort of thing. So, you know, I was trying to think about maybe some of the things that I've been through recently with, you know, having to deal with my mental health and the challenges that that's posed. Um, but also to some of the things that have come out, you know, there has been some, um, awareness, some learning, um, some growth from just that process, that work. And I think it has influenced, but also too, I think it's really interesting because I think it's also made a lot of sense why I've gravitated towards certain themes or gravitated to certain works or been inspired by certain things or moved by certain things because it resonates or touches close to those things that I've experienced or am currently, you know, experiencing. And so I find it very fascinating. Uh, There was a thing that I read a long time ago that indicated that um i it's not this the idea that i am the source and solution to my own problems and where a lot of the the suffering comes in for each of us is when we fight against those things that we think we have to hold on to, or we will lose a sense of identity, a sense of connection, a sense of safety. I think that's a big thing is we then become maybe closed off or guarded against dropping some of those beliefs and ideas that no longer serve us um, because we feel that we will lose something or we will be harmed in some way if those are dropped. And so it's really fascinating. Um, this thing that has come up to is growth mindset. Is growth mindset is a mindset that allows one to not so ardently hold on to certain beliefs and, and maybe viewpoints that keep us rooted or in a rut. Um, in our in our just our overall growth, and that doesn't allow us to maybe experience new things that may actually be beneficial. Because the thing, one of the things in acting that I that I learned and I picked up was that I don't really prescribe to some sort of quote unquote method or methodology. You know that you've got you know Meisner technique, method acting, um, Strasberg. Um, you've got all these different you know, methods or um, constructions of acting. But I always find it, found it more interesting and fascinating that I could take bits and pieces from each of those models and use the ones that work best for me and not necessarily use ones that don't work for me or that I don't find as, you know, impactful to, to my work. And I think that's, I've found that with lots of areas of my life. And I think too, with, 
with also writing is finding bits and pieces of different types of techniques and processes that work best for me um, instead of just taking a blank template of what somebody else does and try to fit into that. Um, so I feel like growth mindset is a mindset that allows you to do that. You take bits and pieces from all of your experiences in life and not only your previous experiences, but your current experiences and those ones that have un- you have not witnessed yet and take those pieces um, that work best for you and continue to grow, to evolve and to unleash your true potential or your f- your your full potential. And so <clears throat> I really have been trying to subscribe to that that um that model that ther- not theorem but that outlook that maybe things that I held on to viewpoints um beliefs that I was so ardent about that it had to be or you know this is the way <laughs> And nothing else. Um, that I think letting go of some of those or, or being challenging those even a little bit more and say, well, why do I think that? What what is it about that do I feel so strongly about? You know, what what is it? Is it tied to some sort of identity that I feel like if I don't have that, I'll be less complete, you know, or if if I lose that, then I lose some sort of piece of myself. You know, a lot of things too is, is if we feel that we lose a belief, then we feel like we don't know who we are or we don't know, we, we feel kind of, we'll feel lost or we'll feel unsafe because then we have to kind of be at the mercy of the unknown. And that's very scary. The unknown is very scary because you can't, you can't hold on to any sort of, you know, very superficial anchor and say, this is the rock that I'm going to die on. Um, but it, it's a lot more, you have to allow, you have to, you have to put place more faith in this, just the dynamic nature of life. You know, that we don't know where this is going to take us. We don't know what's behind that door. We don't know if we're going to like this or not like this. Um, so it's, it's just very fascinating to me as, as I'm progressing through this and trying to deal with all this stuff that there's this element of just the unknown, just the unknown, and that we don't have to be so hard and so rigid and so critical with just everything around us, but ourselves. We don't have to be so dogmatic that I have to believe this because this is what I believe in. You know, it, it's okay to say, well, maybe I don't really like believing in that, you know, or do I, do I really believe in that anymore? And why am I believing in that anymore? You know, whatever it is, you know, is it, is it really bringing me joy? Is it really enhancing my life experience? Is it really allowing me to grow? And that could be anything, you know, and I feel like that's why uh, I'm not going to get political or anything. But I think that's why we're seeing such a big divide, uh, uh, specifically here in the United States, is that it's too extreme. You know, we've got two, we've got so many extremes now. And I feel that because 
I think there's a sense of fear that if we don't hang on to this belief or this extreme, then that we're going to be lost. And then we, or if I don't have that, well, what, what, what do I believe in? Or if, if nothing is true, then what's the point of it all? You know, I think that's a great, because then we'd have to give ourselves to the unknown, but, but there's such a, a, a beauty in that dynamic ebb and flow of life that really there is something magical about that. If we allow ourselves to ride the wave of this, this wonderful, wonderful adventure that we would be surprised with things that we would encounter, things that we would never be able to experience before that would touch us, that would move us, that would um, just make us feel very uh, deeply in in the present moment. Um, yeah, and, and I think there's a part too where fear of being hurt, fear of pain, None of us want to continue feeling pain and suffering, and there's also a fear of if we lose that that um, belief or that system, then we will open ourselves up to being vulnerable, and therefore, when we're vulnerable, we worry that we're not going to be safe or that we're going to be hurt. We're going to feel pain and more suffering, and obviously, I think that's that's a big issue uh, that we're facing right now, just as a as a collective, as, a, as, as humans. And so it's, it's very, it is very scary to let go of some of those beliefs and some of those um, ideas. Um, and it's really difficult to not only acknowledge pain, but identify with pain, if that makes sense. It's very easy to attach emotion to pain um but not seeing pain as it really is as just a uh a state of of changing energy that and you reflect on it too like think about some of the moments in your life where some of the greatest moments of, of growth for yourself personally was because of something very uncomfortable or something not too enjoyable or required maybe a little bit more extra work, a little bit more effort, a little bit more, maybe there was a, a learning uh, moment, a teaching moment, as they say, <laughs> where it was not very comfortable. It was maybe uncomfortable. And, but we were able to come out of it and something, and we were no longer the same after that. We were changed. We, we had to change because the experience demanded that we change, whether we were maybe aware of it at the time or not. So that's kind of what I'm trying to, to come to terms with is that sort of uh, viewpoint of, of sitting with emotions not trying to adjudge those emotions, sitting with the parts of myself that may feel uncomfortable or experiences that are uncomfortable and trying to navigate it in a way that, what is this trying to tell me? What is this 
experience and this state that I'm in right now, what is it trying to tell me? What is it trying to um, process me through? And I think that's that's kind of just you know my my two cents on it. And I really have really found some very interesting notes on on that those experience or that thought that thought process but also to the the navigating through and just you know just we're all trying to figure it out man we're all trying to figure it out none of us have the answers we're just we're just trying to do the best we can (laughs) and so keep doing the best you can keep putting one foot in front of the other keep keep doing what you're doing um just con- just continue to ask questions as i always like to say be kind to yourself it's okay you got this some days are going to suck some days are going to be okay some days going to be really really good and sometimes we feel what's the point sometimes we feel this is the point and i just i just wish all of you out there the best um, I'm sending out positive vibes. Most importantly, I'm sending out love. Take care of yourselves. Be kind to each other. Be kind to yourself. And keep, just keep, keep on keeping on. <laughs> and thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you've been listening to Ruminations on Tony's Tall Tales, a production of Ruminations Radio Network. Take this moment to subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, my little show and you can discover more great content we've got a lot of great uh, content producers by visiting ruminationsradionetwork.com I want to give a big shout out to Cinefa Hissifit they're one of the podcasts on the network they have just celebrated recently their 100th episode it's an amazing accomplishment those guys have been rocking it they have a great show please check them out Um, they they're um, just a great, great group of dudes that have really, I've really loved listening to a lot of their reviews on, on film and um, think they're very insightful and just, it's, it's a fun show. And for all your burning questions and passionate feedback, drop us a line at ruminationsradio at gmail.com. Till next time. Cheers. Cheers.